Chapter Three of the May Flower and Miscellaneous Writings by Harriet Beecher Stowe. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. The May Flower and Miscellaneous Writings. Chapter Three The Tea Rose there it stood in its little green vase on a light ebony stand in the window of the drawing-room the rich satin curtains with their costly fringes swept down on either side of it and around it glittered every rare and fanciful trifle which wealth can offer to luxury and yet that simple rose was the fairest of them all so pure it looked its white leaves just touched with that delicious creamy tint peculiar to its kind its cup so full so perfect its head bending as if it were sinking and melting away in its own richness oh when did ever man make anything to equal the living perfect flower but the sunlight that streamed through the window revealed something fairer than the rose reclined on an ottoman in a deep recess and intently engaged with a book rested what seemed the counterpart of that so lovely flower that cheek so pale that fair forehead so spiritual that countenance so full of high thought those long downcast lashes and the expression of the beautiful mouth sorrowful yet subdued and sweet it seemed like the picture of a dream florence florence echoed a merry and musical voice in a sweet impatient tone turn your head reader and you will see a light and sparkling maiden the very model of some little wilful elf born of mischief and motion with a dancing eye a foot that scarcely seems to touch the carpet and a smile so multiplied with dimples that it seems like a thousand smiles at once come florence i say said the little sprite put down that wise good and excellent volume and descend from your cloud and talk with a poor little mortal the fair apparition thus adjured obeyed and looking up revealed just such eyes as you expected to see beneath such lids eyes deep pathetic and rich as a strain of sad music i say cousin said the bright lady i have been thinking what you are to do with your pet rose when you go to new york as to our consternation you are determined to do you know it would be a sad pity to leave it with such a scatterbrain as i am i do love flowers that is a fact that is i like a regular bouquet cut off and tied up to carry to a party but as to all this tending and fussing which is needful to keep them growing i have no gifts in that line make yourself easy as to that kate said florence with a smile i have no intention of calling upon your talents i have an asylum in view for my favourite oh then you know just what i was going to say mrs marshall i presume has been speaking to you she was here yesterday and i was quite pathetic upon this subject telling her the loss your favourite would sustain and so forth and she said how delighted she would be to have it in her greenhouse it is in such a fine state now so full of buds i told her i knew you would like to give it to her you are so fond of mrs marshall you know now kate i am sorry but i have otherwise engaged it 
whom can it be too you have so few intimates here oh it is only one of my odd fancies but do tell me florence well cousin you know the little pale girl to whom we give sewing what little mary stevens how absurd florence this is just another of your motherly old maidish ways dressing dolls for poor children making bonnets and knitting socks for all the little dirty babies in the region round about i do believe you have made more calls in those two vile ill-smelling alleys back of our house than ever you have in chestnut street though you know everybody is half dying to see you and now to crown all you must give this choice little bijou to a seamstress girl when one of your most intimate friends in your own class would value it so highly what in the world can people in their circumstances want of flowers just the same as i do replied florence calmly have you not noticed that the little girl never comes here without looking wistfully at the opening buds and don't you remember the other morning she asked me so prettily if i would let her mother come and see it she was so fond of flowers but florence only think of this rare flower standing on a table with ham eggs cheese and flour and stifled in that close little room where mrs stevens and her daughter manage to wash iron cook and nobody knows what besides well kate and if i were obliged to live in one coarse room and wash and iron and cook as you say if i had to spend every moment of my time in toil with no prospect from my window but a brick wall and a dirty lane such a flower as this would be untold enjoyment for me pshaw florence all sentiment poor people have no time to be sentimental besides i don't believe it will grow with them it is a greenhouse flower and used to delicate living oh as to that a flower never inquires whether its owner is rich or poor and mrs stevens whatever else she has not has sunshine of as good quality as this that streams through our window the beautiful things that god makes are his gift to all alike you will see that my fair rose will be as well and cheerful in mrs stevens room as in ours well after all how odd when one gives to poor people one wants to give them something useful a bushel of potatoes a ham and such things why certainly potatoes and ham must be supplied but having ministered to the first and most craving wants why not add any other little pleasures or gratifications we may have it in our power to bestow i know there are many of the poor who have fine feeling and a keen sense of the beautiful which rusts out and dies because they are too hard pressed to procure it any gratification poor mrs stevens for example i know she would enjoy birds and flowers and music as much as i do i have seen her eye light up as she looked on these things in our drawing-room and yet not one beautiful thing can she command from necessity her room her clothing all she has must be coarse and plain you should have seen the almost rapture she and mary felt when i offered them my rose 
dear me all this may be true but i never thought of it before i never thought that these hard-working people had any ideas of taste then why do you see the geranium or rose so carefully nursed in the old cracked teapot in the poorest room or the morning-glory planted in a box and twined about the window do not this show that the human heart yearns for the beautiful in all ranks of life you remember kate how our washerwoman sat up a whole night after a hard day's work to make her first bibby a pretty dress to be baptized in yes and i remember how i laughed at you for making such a tasteful little cap for it well katie i think the look of perfect delight with which the poor mother regarded her baby in its new dress and cap was something quite worth creating i do believe she could not have felt more grateful if i had sent her a barrel of flour well i never thought before of giving anything to the poor but what they really needed and i have always been willing to do that when i could without going far out of my way well cousin if our heavenly father gave to us after this mode we should have only coarse shapeless piles of provisions lying about the world instead of all this beautiful variety of trees and fruits and flowers well well cousin i suppose you are right but have mercy on my poor head it is too small to hold so many new ideas all at once so go on your own way and the little lady began practising a waltzing step before the glass with great satisfaction it was a very small room lighted by only one window there was no carpet on the floor there was a clean but coarsely covered bed in one corner a cupboard with a few dishes and plates in the other a chest of drawers and before the window stood a small cherry stand quite new and indeed it was the only article in the room that seemed so a pale sickly-looking woman of about forty was leaning back in her rocking-chair her eyes closed and her lips compressed as if in pain she rocked backward and forward a few minutes pressed her hand hard upon her eyes and then languidly resumed her fine stitching on which she had been busy since morning the door opened and a slender little girl of about twelve years of age entered her large blue eyes dilated and radiant with delight as she bore in the vase with the rose-tree in it oh see mother see here is one in full bloom and two more half out and ever so many more pretty buds peeping out of the green leaves the poor woman's face brightened as she looked first on the rose and then on her sickly child on whose face she had not seen so bright a colour for months god bless her she exclaimed unconsciously miss florence yes i knew you would feel so mother does it not make your head feel better to see such a beautiful flower now will you not look so longingly at the flowers in the market for we have a rose that is handsomer than any of them why it seems to me it is worth as much to us as our whole garden used to be only see how many buds there are just count them and only smell the flower now where shall we set it up and mary skipped about placing her flower first in one position and then in another and walking off to see the effect till her mother gently reminded her that the rose-tree could not preserve its beauty without sunlight oh yes truly said mary well then it must stand here on our new stand 
how glad i am that we have such a handsome new stand for it it will look so much better and mrs stevens laid down her work and folded a piece of newspaper on which the treasure was duly deposited there said mary watching the arrangement eagerly that will do no for it does not show both the opening buds a little farther around a little more there that is right and then mary walked around to view the rose in various positions after which she urged her mother to go with her to the outside and see how it looked from there how kind it was in miss florence to think of giving this to us said mary though she had done so much for us and given us so many things yet this seems the best of all because it seems as if she thought of us and knew just how we felt and so few do that you know mother what a bright afternoon that little gift made in that little room how much faster mary's fingers flew in the livelong day as she sat sewing by her mother and mrs stevens in the happiness of her child almost forgot that she had a headache and thought as she sipped her evening cup of tea that she felt stronger than she had done for some time that rose its sweet influence died not with the first day through all the long cold winter the watching tending cherishing that flower awakened a thousand pleasant trains of thought that beguiled the sameness and weariness of their life every day the fair growing thing put forth some fresh beauty a leaf a bud a new shoot and constantly awakened fresh enjoyment in its possessors as it stood in the window the passer-by would sometimes stop and gaze attracted by its beauty and then proud and happy was mary nor did even the serious and careworn widow notice with indifference this tribute to the beauty of their favorite but little did florence think when she bestowed the gift that there twined about it an invisible thread that reached far and brightly into the web of her destiny one cold afternoon in early spring a tall and graceful gentleman called at the lowly room to pay for the making of some linen by the inmates he was a stranger and wayfarer recommended through the charity of some of mrs stephen's patrons as he turned to go his eye rested admiringly on the rose tree and he stopped to gaze at it how beautiful said he yes said little mary and it was given to us by a lady as sweet and beautiful as that is ah said the stranger turning upon her a pair of bright dark eyes pleased and rather struck by the communication and how came she to give it to you my little girl oh because we are poor and mother is sick and we never can have anything pretty we used to have a garden once and we loved flowers so much and miss florence found it out and so she gave us this florence echoed the stranger yes miss florence lestrange a beautiful lady they say she was from foreign parts but she speaks english just like other ladies only sweeter is she here now is she in this city said the gentleman eagerly no she left some months ago said the widow noticing the shade of disappointment on his face but said she you can find all about her at her aunt's mrs carlyle's number ten blank street a short time after florence received a letter in a handwriting that made her tremble 
during the many early years of her life spent in france she had well learned to know that writing had loved as a woman like her loves only once but there had been obstacles of parents and friends long separation long suspense till after anxious years she had believed the ocean had closed over that hand and heart and it was this that had touched with such pensive sorrow the lines in her lovely face but this letter told her that he was living that he had traced her even as a hidden streamlet may be traced by the freshness the verdure of heart which her deeds of kindness had left wherever she had passed thus much said our reader needs no help in finishing my story for themselves end of chapter three the tea rose